This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. And it might be a good idea to dip your toe into the water if you're thinking of selling a property. Um, It might be a good time. We'll find out why. But first, here's some of the consumer news headlines from the past few weeks. You've probably noticed that gas prices are at record highs. But a big question around here is, why are BC prices some of the highest in Canada? Well, in fact, according to a study from 2019, gas prices in British Columbia were inexplicably 13 cents a litre higher on average than in other places across the country. And now the BC government has asked the Independent Utilities Commission to make recommendations to regulate and possibly reduce gas prices. While fuel prices are high all over the world, Energy Minister Bruce Ralston says the BC Utilities Commission is taking a look at how those retail and wholesale prices are set. And Ralston says that unexplained 13 cents a liter amounted to the province paying an extra 500 million bucks at the pumps. In his words, we were ripped off. The B.C. government says they expect a lot of new jobs coming to B.C. in the next 10 years. The problem, they say, will be finding the workers who have the skills to do those jobs. That's why they've announced they are investing more than $136 bucks to build a new trades and technology training complex at the BCIT campus in Burnaby. Premier John Horgan says the complex at BCIT will benefit more than 12,000 full and part-time students a year in 20 trade and technology programs in areas like forestry and tech, just to name a few. Horgan says the economy will sputter without a strong, skilled workforce. The Canada Line Rapid Transit System, it's convenient relatively inexpensive, and it can make a good getaway vehicle. RCMP say they've arrested 18 people after a joint operation targeting people who use the transit system when committing crimes in Richmond. The Mounties say they teamed up with Metro Vancouver Transit Police for the operation that happened last Saturday after recent crime trends showed that crooks were using the Canada Line to go into Richmond. They say 11 of the 18 arrested didn't live there, but they arrived on transit and got away the same way. The Mounties say the arrests were for offenses including theft, possession of stolen property, and breach of conditions. Mounties in Maple Ridge found a unique use for their handcuffs this week as they worked with conservation officers to save a curious but unwelcome cougar. The big cat had wandered into a busy Maple Ridge neighborhood this past Sunday afternoon, and there were concerns it might have to be shot because so many people were nearby. So instead, police shooed the the residents into their homes, secured the area, while conservation officers tranquilized the cougar and police handcuffed its front paws as a precaution in case it woke up tried to run away before it was caged, uh, but it didn't. The statement from Maple Ridge RCMP says the cougar has been safely relocated to a remote location and the handcuffs were retrieved. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, 
we're going to talk real estate and guiding us through some of the opportunities that are out there in the world of real estate will be John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com is his website. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And uh, who doesn't love to talk about real estate? When you're at a party these days, it's the one thing everybody wants to talk about. And when you're talking about real estate, you want to talk to somebody who knows the business of real estate. And that would be John Carlson from 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. That's the website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Dot com. Uh, you can uh, email him at john at johnnysmartpoint.com as well. And uh, and he comes on the show quite often to to talk about this market and what's going on. And uh, first of all, hello, John. How are you? Hey, Martin. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on the program. Right. And I, I'm reading, I mean, every time you're on the show, uh, it seems like this narrative, at least for the past couple of years, has been the demand is huge in the lower mainland for people who want to buy properties. They want to buy houses and condos. But the trouble is the inventory, the stuff that's actually out there for sale uh, is just not keeping up with the demand. And that has led to high prices and everybody knows how expensive uh, property is in the lower mainland. But I was just reading about Toronto. According to the Royal Bank of Canada, they just published a new uh, sort of survey report. And uh, for the first time in a long time, Toronto is now officially the most expensive market for real estate in Canada, beating out Vancouver. Uh, The uh, benchmark price of 1.260, uh, 1.26 million uh, has edged out Vancouver, which is uh, 1.255. So it's it's not by much, but Toronto is now the most expensive market in Canada. What do you think of that, John? Yeah, you know, and I'd seen that report. And over the years, I, I can recall, you know, other times when um, Toronto and Vancouver have kind of duped it out for the dubious, maybe distinction of being the most expensive real estate destination in Canada. So, you know, I, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I didn't give it a whole lot of weight other than to think that, you know, this is just, it's its not just us here in greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, the lower mainland, the real estate supply and demand uh, type issue is all over the country right now. And we've touched on some of the, you know, maybe the reasons for that in, in many previous times I've been on the program. And those can sometimes, of course, include, uh, you know, uh, the COVID situation with people removing their properties from the market or has being hesitant to get on the market, um, all kinds of things. And, and, you know, we've talked about that many, many times, but how many times do you really have to say it? It's real estate is a supply and demand business. And, um, you know, if you look at what people perceive as some of the problems with the real estate market in terms of prices going sky high, it all really boils down to, to that very simple basic premise, as you mentioned, that there's a lot of demand uh, for people locals here and, you know, people that come from other areas, migration, uh, to, to set down roots here in a great spot in the greater Vancouver area. And um, the supply side is has been the problem. And as long as that supply side uh, trails behind demand, we're going to see high prices. I don't think there's there's any way of escaping that. And it, it, it leads me to, you know, remind myself that right now, and we've talked about this as well on, on other programs, there are uh, indications that there's going to be some government intervention of some kind coming into the market to try to help uh, bring affordability back into the equation. And 
that could be on a federal level and interest rates and, and other things, um, as well as the provincial level where they're, you know, floating ideas on both sides of that coin. Uh, you know, on the one hand, there's there's this um, the waiting period uh, or holding period or rescission period that's being proposed right now uh, right. that may come down the pike. And then on the other side of the coin, there's higher density. Vancouver itself is talking about maybe allowing building lots to become, you know, fourplexes with garden suites and all that sort of thing. So a lot of talk about real estate, as you mentioned, it's a party, uh, you know, favorite thing to talk about because there's always a lot going on and it's high stakes uh, and it's never boring. So we're entering, we're entering into a spring market now and things as always are going to be interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about that uh, cooling off period. I think that's what some people are calling it, this possible new uh, legislation that would come in. Explain what this is, a cooling off period for people buying real estate. Well, you know, information is pretty scarce because right now um, it's just a vague proposal on the provincial level. And uh, I do know that um, real estate associations are also lobbying for you know, if this is going to happen, what might be the best ways to to look at it and, and what things could be done. But I think in essence, um, you know, the to back up just a step, if you want to look at things on a provincial government level, there are a lot of people in this province in greater Vancouver who maybe are frustrated buyers who can't get into the type of homes they want or into the areas they want, or maybe they've lost in multiple offer situations and they're uncomfortable with the blind bidding process and all those things. So these are voters and these are people with voices and they quite rightly have concerns about, you know, their place in the market. So uh, when there are a bunch of dissatisfied people out there with something as important and fundamental as, you know, housing, uh, the government's listening. And uh, so I think there have been some proposals where, uh, and this is basically the whole idea of, uh, of the, um, the, the recession period or the cool down period. The idea I think is that uh, they want to give, buyers a chance to once they've gone through this this really exciting bidding process and maybe sometimes have buyer's remorse they want to give people much like if you were writing a new contract with a new developer they want to give people a period of time to cool off and maybe change their mind and um, that sounds like a, a noble proposal in some ways but I think a lot of people will have some concerns as to how that might actually play out in the real world because you know sometimes um something that maybe looks good on paper or has a good idea behind it. We have to remember, uh, if you start messing with contract law, that's um, something that's got hundreds of years of history behind it. And it's been fine-tuned, if you will, over the years. And, and changing the fundamentals of that can have unintended consequences. So right now, there's a proposal that maybe perhaps the way contracts are written and regarded may change in the near future. Uh, again, this might be a spring legislature-type uh, proposal, so it may or may not come into effect uh, late spring or summer of this year. But again, without having a whole lot of details, and we can talk a little bit about the ramifications if you like, but mm -hmm. I think what the big picture takeaway of this is that the real estate market has reached uh, heights it has never seen in terms of pricing and activity and, and out of whack supply and demand ratios to the point where uh, you know, the government's looking at stepping in much like 2016 and 17 with, you know, foreign buyers taxes and, you know, all these other vacancy taxes and things. Um, so there, there is, there's always change on the horizon. This is the real estate industry is always an evolving, uh, almost a living organism that, that changes day to day, week to week. And, uh, and it's no different now. So I'm, I think what we, what I'd like to do is focus on what we're going to likely see in this spring market, because that's on a lot of people's minds. Um, with, with in mind, keeping in mind some of these uh, changes that may or may not happen in the near future. 
We're talking to John Carlson, Johnny Smart Point. That's his uh, web address, johnnysmartpoint.com. If you're looking for someone to help you buy or sell a property, uh, John is uh, the man to call. 604-612-0080. John at johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. And uh, we're, we're, we're talking uh, about possible changes to the market. And uh, I don't want to dwell too much on this cooling off thing. But for example, uh, you just sold a property in Alder Grove that went for a couple of hundred thousand dollars almost over asking price. And so in this market where people are, are really bidding up properties, do you think that if, if it becomes easy to get out of a contract that people might uh, bid really high and then think, well, I'll just get out of it later. Do you think that might be a problem? Well, like I said, the unintended consequences are are what would concern me. Um, and again, we're, we're just going off of some very vague proposals at the moment. The details are not in yet. Uh, things are being discussed. Uh, I'm sure there's lobbying going in behind the scenes on all kinds of different levels. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, you know, just off the top of my head, if a, if a potential buyer can get in a multiple offer situation and uh, tie up a property for a certain amount of time, to me that says, well, who's to stop that same buyer or friends or family members of that buyer from tying up all the homes in a neighborhood and then choosing the one they want or or maybe a seller uh, nefariously going out and tying up the competition in the neighborhood with offers that can later be rescinded. Um, and, and then I think, you know, what kind of what kind of unintended consequences might arise as a, you know, in terms of my job writing an offer, if I'm, and I tend to be a listing agent, 70% or more of my list of my sales are listing agents. I work with people who sell homes and the only buyers I work with generally are people whose homes I've already sold or I'm about to because it's part of the overall process. So uh, I don't generally work with a lot of individual buyers simply because that's not my business model. But, you know, thinking about how do I go about protecting my sellers and, uh, you know, talking to other agents and my brokerage and, you know, we're always discussing real estate and what's happening. It might come to the point where a, a seller demands a non-refundable deposit, you know, on any offer and, and uh, or it might, uh, it might, it's been suggested to me that flexibility, the ability to get out of a, of a contract may end up costing consumers and maybe not saving them money. So I think it's going to come down to the details and um, this is something that has not happened yet. But you got to remember in real estate, similarly, you know, to interest rates that are that are pretty much guaranteed to go up in the in the foreseeable immediate future. A lot of that's already baked into the cake. People, investors and home buyers look forward and, and try to make decisions based on what they expect might be coming in the future. So a lot of these things are are starting to be baked into the cake. I know that uh, when you look at the most recent, say, month, two, three months in the real estate market locally, it's just been very, very uh, heavily uh, tilted towards the sellers in terms of all the leverage being there and buyers competing for a limited supply. And interestingly enough, to sort of switch topics a little bit, what I'm finding is even in maybe just these last seven to 10 days, I'm starting to see a little bit of a shift away from the craziness in the market when it comes to you know, buyers having to completely uh, you know, throw everything they have at any particular listing to have any chance. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I'm starting to see, you know, I'm, everything I'm doing still is multiple offer situations, but um, the number of viewings is no longer unmanageable, it seems. Uh, in my own thought press process, I'm thinking, well, if I'm a buyer and it's, I know that March is coming up pretty quick and it's one of the biggest listing months of the year, maybe it would be better rather than, you know, uh, try to compete in a super hyper um, 
inflated market in terms of, of demand and low supply, maybe it'd be better if I waited a month or two. Um, also, I'm looking at interest rates about to go up, you know, people generally act ahead of that. So part of the activity that's been going on this last month or two, in my opinion, is in preparation uh, of people thinking that rates are going to go up and maybe it's a time to act now. So I'm not suggesting that the market is is um, is collapsing or, or bubbles are bursting or that there's going to be drastic changes in the market. But I do see right now a pattern that I think is good news for the market. And it's this. I think that the, the, the hyper crazy desperation um, of certain buyers out there who have maybe tried and failed multiple times to get properties is starting to wane a bit. And I think that that will lead us into a spring market that's still going to be a seller's market. But I think it might be a really big help because if the market just, uh, uh, if it just calms down a little bit enough so that your average home buyer can say, hey, you know, I'm finally comfortable downsizing. I'm finally comfortable putting my house on the market because I know that that townhouse I'm looking for, I've got a good chance at it now. Because quite frankly, these last few months, a lot of inventory, uh, the, lowness, the, the, the low supply and inventory has been in part due to people who otherwise would be in the market, but they're scared. They love the selling idea, but they're scared or hesitant to, to be buyers in that market. So if I had to look forward to the crystal ball in the next month or two, I think we're going to see a little bit more balancing out of more listings hitting the market, fewer desperate buyers that uh, you know will push the overall sale prices up in multiple offer situations, and a little bit of a healthier market where your average person or family can get into the market and navigate it in a very smart way without uh, you know, being fear, uh, having a fear of ending up as a, as some kind of an orphan with, you know, without a right. home. So uh, yeah. we're heading that direction, I think. And that's good news, I think. And we're talking to John Carlson. Uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. If you're thinking of uh, maybe it's time to, to downsize or, or move, maybe upsize, uh, you might want to get a, get a hold of John. Just go to johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also give him a call, 604-612-0080. He loves the phone. He's uh, more than happy to pick up the phone, 604-612-0080. And you can email him at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, it's looking like it might be the time uh, if you want to get into the market. And we're going to tell you why, uh, when we come back, uh, why it is uh, possibly uh, a better time in the market for both buyers and sellers. That's when we come back on Vancouver Consumer right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking real estate with John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. Uh, John at JohnnySmartPoint.com is the email if you want to get a hold of him, because uh, we've been talking about what's going on with the market. And uh, the market is, I mean, it technically is still red hot. And uh, John, you were saying that you foresee a, a slight easing a little bit of an easing and that that is a good sign for both buyers and sellers but it sounds to me like it might be uh, a really good time for someone who's been kind of on the fence uh, with a property that they want to sell that it might be a good time to get into this market and take advantage while it is still red hot Yes. And, you know, I'm a salesman. So of course, you know, people say, is it a good time to sell? My answer should be yes. But of course, you know, when I work with clients, I, we, we look at the overall picture and, and what is their personal situation and, you know, are they buying, are they selling, are they doing both? And, you know, I help people make good decisions, but overall, 
you know, as we discussed a little earlier, I think that this market is probably going to represent, you know, the market that we're in that we've just been through and that we're going to see in the next few months is going to probably represent the peak in terms of the frenzy and prices for sellers. So uh, sellers getting record prices, it wasn't unusual in these last two or three months for a a property to list and sell for a record price. And then the guy next door lists and and gets 10% more or something like that. So those days, if you ask me, are now coming to an end. Um, the market is still very hot. It's a multiple offer situation for most types of properties. But again, I see the inventory starting to pick up. I see interest rates looming in the horizon in the future. I see government intervention possibly you know, affecting the market in ways that are intended and or unintended. And right now, I mean, it's it's a party for sellers. So if you are someone who has an estate sale and you're just, you know, you, you're, you're going through probate and looking to selling a property, it's probably an excellent time with record low inventory levels and very low competition and sellers, I'm sorry, buyers somewhat seasoned and conditioned to paying high prices. Uh, on the other hand, if, uh, if you know, if you're, if you're don't have to make a move right now and you're waiting for that perfect property to come up, it's probably not a good idea to sell right now because, when it comes time to buy, you might not find what you want quite now. But uh, to get back to your point, yes, I see things starting to balance out a little bit. I would suggest that maybe the frenzy of the market will start to, it's already started, in my opinion, it started to lessen just a little bit and become a little bit more relaxed, again, still favorably, uh, heavily favoring sellers. So it could be a good time to go to johnnysmartpoint.com online or john at johnnysmartpoint.com, the email. Um, and it, it really is s- still red hot. Like you uh, have sold a few things lately that have gone far above asking price. That's still a really common thing, right? It is. And I want to be careful in the way you've said it, that I sold them. Of course, I helped sellers sell them. And right. personally, this is just kind of a little personal thing. I, I always kind of wince a little bit when I hear or read someone drops a flyer off on my doorstep or something that says, hey, you know, I'm a realtor and I just did this. I just got a record <laughs> price. Well, you know, did you really get a record? You know, maybe you did a good job and, and your seller did really well. And, and that's to be expected in this kind of market. But, you know, just to give you an idea, um, I had a place, uh, a townhouse, and again, townhouses, man, they're they're affordable. If you've got a little yard and you're kind of like a nice alternative to a detached house with a garage parking out front and a yard for a little dog or something, family-oriented, these are super hot because, as we know, the detached housing market prices kind of went out of control for a lot of buyers. Uh, but just as an example, you know, a, a client that I'd been dealing with before, and we've been talking for probably a few years, uh, saw her neighbor with a similar unit, a very similar unit, sell for much higher than you know she had ever expected. She says, "John, I'm I'm ready to do the same." So the next week we hit the market, and we ended up looking at markets, and of course, multiple offer situation with eleven offers, and it went way over. But the point is, for two very very similar townhomes in the same complex with the same layout and very similar finishing and same yards and all that sort of stuff, the difference was uh, you know sixty five thousand dollars more two weeks later. And, and these are the kind of things that I'm going to suggest are probably going to start becoming more and more rare is these, these giant spikes in pricing. So um, we're still in a red hot market, but it's tough for buyers, you know, who've been through several kicks at the can and have lost out. And, and, and when, when, if you look back at, at, a, at the listing prior to mine, uh, those people also had about 10 or 11 offers. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out there's still 10 people out there looking to buy the same product and there's only one listing. So for that reason, you price attractively and you, you'd get the multiple offer situation. But looking forward, I still see uh, 
no relief from multiple offer situations. But as the supply side increases and, you know, interest rates go up and dampen demand a little bit, I think we're going to have a little bit more uh, a market resembling, uh, if you can use the term, a more typical spring market. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think a lot of uh, home sellers are as well. And I guess it, it's interesting how the the supply of houses can kind of uh, sort of build on itself because if more more supply comes in, people are going to feel a little more comfortable selling where they live now because they know they can find something, and then that's going to increase supply even more. So it's kind of exponential growth. It does. It frees up that logjam a little bit. And the other thing that I find very positive about this is, you know, even listening to David Ebby and uh, some of the politicians who make who, who create policy and propose policy. I think it's finally become apparent to them that you know you, you're not going to tax your way out of out of um, out of a situation of, a, of an imbalance of inventory. You know, so if if there's just not enough supply, the supply side has to be addressed. And so I know there are discussions right now in trying to help streamline, you know, cities and communities um, with their with their approval process and housing starts and making higher density plans. Uh, you know, for the future. So I think that finally. The supply side is getting looked at, and and that's really good news for the market because as long as we continue with the migration and having the success we've had in these areas, there are a lot of people who want to live here, and we need enough homes to, uh, you know, to to satisfy that demand if we're going to keep prices in line. Otherwise, you know, there's really no there's no way I know of to uh, to cure an imbalance of supply and demand through any other way than just you know, balancing it out a little bit. And I think that's what's going to happen, but it does take time. So to all your listeners who are maybe hearing me, uh, you know, talk on both sides of the fence on this issue. It's still very much a seller's market. Changes will be coming down the road. Right now is a fantastic time to get record prices for your home if you're going to sell. Just be prepared that on the buyer's side, um, it might it might ease up a little bit in the coming months. So, you know, if you want to talk to me about what the ideal timing might be for your situation, that's, you know, one of the things I do for people. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and my guest is John Carlson. Uh, we know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. That's where he lives online, johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, you can see all the listings. You can read all about the sales. He's sold over a 1,000 properties in the Lower Mainland over the past few years, the many years that he's been doing this. Uh, you can give him a call, 604-612-0080. Uh, John at johnnysmartpoint.com is the email address. And uh, we've kind of uh, been talking about how uh, it could historically be a good time to get in the market right about now. But let's talk a little bit about commission because if people go to johnnysmartpoint.com, the website, uh, you have a little table there because you are a 2% uh, realtor. You charge 2% commission and uh, that can save a lot of money uh, compared to some other realtors who charge uh, traditionally uh, a little bit more because uh, it, it it can cost you more. And with these kind of prices we're talking about, <laughs> these, these, you know, over asking prices, uh, a few percentage points uh, can mean a lot of money, right? That's a good point. And, you know, thanks for bringing that up. I will mention that commissions are, are negotiable and there's no set commissions in the industry, but the by far the most common commission structure you'll see out there is a 7% of your first $100,000 sale price plus two and a half to 3% of the balance. So at 2% across the board compared to that commission structure, I do save people significant money. 
And I do remind people that, um, you know, much like that joke about the gum that tastes terrible, but the flavor lasts a long time. I mean, you wouldn't <laughs> want to have somebody save you money if they weren't doing a good job. And that's where the whole smart point idea comes from. And it's, it's kind of funny because I, I generally get, you know, two kinds of calls from people right now. Uh, some people say, hey, I've heard you on the radio or they've said, uh, you know, you work for my brother and my family member and they were really happy with you. And I want to work with you because I have confidence in you. And then sometimes I get calls from people who say, hey, you know what? I heard that you charge less and that's all I care about. So <laughs> either one of those people can call me because, you know, quite frankly, I do the full service uh, with it, with everybody I work with. Um, but people do find that, you know, when all is said and done, if you can save 10 or 20 or $30,000 of tax-free money on your principal residence, that, that's a big deal. So, uh, you know, feel free to shop around. I've always suggested that people should talk to more than one agent and, get, you know, see who you're comfortable with and see who you think will do a good job for you and look at commission structures and look at how people market properties and try to gauge, you know, how, um, how, uh, how good somebody might be taking on the job or representing you in a sale. And, and that's all important. But when it comes down to saving a little bit of money and also getting a top performing real estate agent with all kinds of experience, that's where I come into play. And I don't have all that many competition, uh, all that many competitors who can, who can argue, you know, both sides of that fence uh, in a really good way. So yeah, I like to do a good job for people and save money compared to other people. Yeah. And that's where the smart point comes in. That's where you get the name Johnny smart point. And that's why it's Johnny or John at Johnny uh, the email address. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about the different things, the different needs that people have when they're selling. Uh, they've, first of all, they need to live somewhere once they sell where they live now or uh, those kind of things. And the one thing we've heard many testimonials on this show from, from your clients uh, who, who have had a good experience uh, working with you, John. And one of the things they always say is that you were, you were very um, open to listening and you were, if, if people were kind of hesitant, you, you didn't encourage them to do it and you were very patient and, and, and it's very important, uh, not to rush people into, into selling their home. Cause obviously that's a huge, a huge life change. Oh gosh. Yeah. And, you know, just from personal experience, nobody wants to be, uh, you know, rushed or pushed by what they see as a salesperson looking to get paid. I mean, that, that that's just the, the worst, cringiest position you ever want to be in. And and again, I've been fortunate. I've been busy and, you know, I, 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 I have steady stream of business coming in and it's just my style that I, you know, when people are ready, they're going to be ready and they're going to do it. But as I would expect, what makes the most sense to them, that might be working with me. It might be working with somebody else, but you got to understand people, they want good advice and they want to do what's in their best interest. They don't want some salesperson and, uh, you know, trying to dictate how things go. So I'm, al I'm always listening to people and trying to suggest things. And sometimes I'll just throw ideas off the wall and I'll say, hey, maybe maybe you shouldn't sell right now. I, I don't know. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? So that's a big part of the job. And, you know, it occurs to me as we're talking here, uh, the townhouse sale that, that, that we just had is in Maple Ridge. I'll say hi to Margaret if she's listening. Um, fantastic lady. I, I love working for her and I was very fortunate to work for her because I know through her business, she knows a lot of other agents and good agents too. Um, but I was chosen to do the job. And I think back, you know, I've been talking to Margaret for about three years and selling and, you know, with, I don't want to say too much, but with some people, you know, that's a big chunk of their financial futures is the equity they've built up in their home. And it's, it's been years and years of making payments and raising families in these homes. And when they sell, if I think about it, had 
had she been pressured into selling last year or the year before, boy, she would have missed out on a lot of equity. And she was the one, it turns out, to call me and say, John, let's get this thing on the market because I'd been there for her throughout the past few years. And when she sensed the time was right, and you know what, she, she was right. It was the perfect time for her. And I was, I was thrilled with her sale. Uh, right. you know, she knew it. She called me and we, we, we did what made sense for her. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what keeps me getting referrals. So if, it, if you think it might be time, if you're thinking in the future or now, you might want to get to work now, despite whether you want to sell down the road or right away and get a hold of John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website and uh, you can get in contact with him there. or You can send him an email. John at JohnnySmartPoint.com is the email address. Uh, at, you can find that at johnnysmartpoint.com, the website. You can also give him a call 604-612-0080. Well, John, always a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next time and uh, have yourself a great weekend. Thank you. I'll see you again soon. Right on. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Coming up next, are we in for colder weather in the next few months or is it going to finally warm up? Meteorologists in the lower mainland say, it's getting harder to predict. That's next when Vancouver Consumer continues. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and spring is just a few days over a month away. But if you're waiting for it to suddenly get warm and dry, don't hold your breath. While there isn't any extreme cold forecasted in the upcoming weeks, the mercury is expected to dip below freezing on several nights next week. Uh, looking beyond the next 10 days or so, that's a little tougher, according to meteorologists. There is a possibility of snowfall on a couple of nights starting midweek, Wednesday or Thursday, but it will probably just be rain mixed with snow or snow on higher terrain. But beyond next week, the forecast is a little murky. According to Environment Canada meteorologist Doug Lundquist, the long-range forecast is less reliable this season than it ever has been. While the Canadian weather model shows below average temperatures for spring, other models around the world uh, show kind of the opposite. So he says the seasonal forecast is not very reliable right now. So why is it unreliable? Several reasons. He says uh, he doesn't have a lot of confidence in the spring forecast because one of the main factors, the atmosphere, which has been behaving in uh, in an inconsistent manner. And that uh, doesn't allow meteorologists to figure out where weather is headed. He also says climate change is a factor in trying to forecast the weather and colder than average predictions may actually end closer to average in the season. So it might be warmer. Add to that, Lundquist says the climate scientists are researching whether or not the atmosphere behaves differently due to the changing climate. One of the questions they're asking is whether or not the system takes longer to move. And another factor is, in, is that there isn't as much snow across southern BC, especially in the interior. And Lundquist says the ground is darker when there's less snow. So it's able to absorb more sunshine and heat up. All of these competing factors make it really difficult to have confidence in this spring's weather forecast, particularly this far in advance. Uh, however, the federal forecasting department will have a better idea of what the season will look like at the start of the meteorological spring. That's March 1st. 
For now, though, we will see some modified Arctic air move into the lower mainland from the interior, which is expected to bring overnight lows below freezing for a few nights next week. But it's not going to be really cold. And at least this cold weather is going to be dry. And I don't think most people are going to complain about that. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And coming up, we'll talk about your dental health and how it's a big part of your overall health. We'll talk to the folks at BC Perio next, right after the news. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.